If you're turning with me, you can go ahead and turn to Ephesians. Ephesians 1. Today I want to talk to you. Um, not going to be a long message, but I want to talk to you on this first Sunday of 2019 about balance, focus, and worth. Balance, focus, and worth. Because I believe that if we get these three things straight, that this year could look different than any year we've experienced thus far. In a good way. In a powerful way. It's not to say you won't go through things or you won't have hard things or or obstacles come up. But if we can get some balance and some focus, and if we know our worth, that's huge. You have to know you're valuable. And the other thing is, you have to know that other people are valuable. You got to know both of those. I am convinced that the more I grow spiritually and the more I study and the more I read the word and the more I step into God's purpose for my life, I know two things. I have to know that I'm his son and that I'm chosen and I'm qualified by him and that I have worth and I have value. And I also learn more and more how valuable other people are. Whether I 100% agree with everything they do or think or say or whether... I get mad at people or they get mad at me, but I have to realize how valuable other people are because I can't do life on my own. I wasn't created to. And if God thinks they're valuable, then I need to think they're valuable. If I want to look like God, I got to love people too. The worth of something is found in what someone is willing to pay for it. I'm sure you've heard that before. I heard that in my kitchen. Was that last night, Malachi? Uh, Where me and Titus were discussing the worth of some baseball cards. Now, Titus is convinced that we have some baseball cards in our house that are worth several thousand dollars. Or one, one card that he thinks is worth over $1,000. And me and Malachi tried to speak to him logically in the kitchen. And Malachi quoted that. Uh, you, you can find a buyer. It's worth over $1,000. But what somebody's willing to pay for it, 20 bucks. I mean, <laughs> the worth or the value of something is found in what someone's willing to pay for it. Value is determined by the owner. The, I may have something that to me is worth a lot. I won't get rid of it. I wouldn't sell it. But to you, it may not be worth that much. You've heard one man's junk is another man's treasure. Or as I like to say, one mom's trash is... Another kid's, the kid's treasure. That didn't even come out really right. But you know how whenever, like, Jesse will go to clean out the boy's room and 
there'll be like broken toys and stuff. She still has to do this with Malachi. And she'd bring a trash bag in there to throw away the old, messed up, broken stuff. And, oh, no, 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 that's valuable. I got that in a Happy Meal at McDonald's six years ago on my birthday. It's trash. It's broken. Malachi used to pull, oh, well, I can use the parts out of that to fix something else. I might could get some wires out. It's got good batteries in it. Don't throw it away. It's junk, but not to the owner. That's why most of us have anybody that has a garage. Most people I know, they, their garage is so full of stuff that they can't even pull a car in it. The purpose of the garage was supposed to be to pull a car in, but most Americans have it so full of stuff that's valuable. i got to have it. It won't fit my house. I never use it. Can't see it, but it's valuable. I fill up my garage with it. Do you know what you're worth? You know who you are? Do you know what other people are worth? Oh, I need that. Here's what worth means. The importance or usefulness of something or someone. You are worth. You are valuable. You are useful. God has a purpose and a plan for you. A place in the kingdom and in the family. You were worth dying for. You. Not all, yeah, all of mankind, and it's easy to just lump it in. Well, Jesus died for everybody, but he died for you. You were worth him dying for. You were worth to God him giving up his son. But if you don't know that, or if you don't believe that, then it's going to be hard for you to ever be balanced or focused. If you can't get that straight, then you're going to be off balance. You're, it's going to be hard for you to focus on the purpose that he has for you. It's going to be hard for you to focus on the call that he has for you. If you can't ever realize that you're his son and you're his daughter, you have worth, you have value, and that other people have worth and value, then... I don't know that you can ever really be balanced. That you could ever really be focused. Let's read Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1, I'm going to start reading in verse 3. I'm going to read this to you in the Message Bible. How blessed is God? And what a blessing is He? He's the Father of our Master Jesus Christ. And He takes us to the high places of blessing in Him. Long before he laid down earth's foundations, he had us in mind. He settled on us as the focus of his love. So before he laid down the earth's foundations, before he made the sun and the moon and the stars, and before all of that, all the things that we see, he had you on his mind. And he decided to make you... He settled on us as the focus of His love. To be made whole and holy by His love. 
long, long ago in a galaxy far away. He decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. What pleasure he took in planning this. You were worth the trouble. He took pleasure in planning it. Like a husband in planning a wedding. He wanted us to enter into the celebration of his lavish gift giving. By the hand of his beloved son. He settled on us as the focus of his love. If a target is worth hitting, you must focus. You're not going to hit a target if you don't focus. Figure out how to zoom in on that target. How to not be distracted by everything else going on. Somebody that's had plenty to eat, not missed any meals, got plenty of money, and all the nice hunting gear, and they're going to go deer hunting. And they get up early in the morning, and they go by Golden Corral breakfast buffet, and they eat all they can hold, and then they head out to their heated deer stand may or may not get a deer. A man that hadn't eaten in three days. He's out of money. He's out of food. And his kids are looking at him saying, Daddy, I'm hungry. And all he's got to his name is one bullet for his 30-06. Who's more focused on getting a deer that day? Who's coming home with some meat? I'm betting it's the number two guy. He's coming home with something. If he can't get a deer, he may come home with a possum or a raccoon or something. He's coming home with something. He's focused. Why? Because that meat, that deer, that food is worth more to him. It's valuable. That target is valuable enough for him to focus. It's got some worth. His focus. So, how important is focus? To me, as I think about it, and I study, and I look at my life, and I look at people that I know's lives, and I think focus equals discipline. You have to be disciplined to focus. I can say I'm focused on a six-pack of abs, but if I'm not disciplined, I'm not really focused on that. It's just a wish. We run around saying, well, I'm focused on this. My focus is I'm focused on God. I'm focused on... But if we're not disciplined, it's like the same thing that, that Pastor Bruce said about declaring something declaration is fine as long as it leads to investing otherwise it's just talk there's all talk and no walk it takes some discipline or it's just a wish just a dream 
when you focus on something, everything else gets blurry. You don't notice the other stuff so much. It's not so big when you're, when you're really focused on one thing. When you zoom in, when you focus on something with a camera, you focus on the thing that you're trying to take a picture of, not an old tree off in the background somewhere. You focus on something and the other stuff seems to kind of fade and not matter so much. Why? Because you're focused on what's most important at the moment. If the target moves, you got to refocus. You got to readjust. So in life and as we walk through life and as we step into a new year in January, we all think about our lives and what do I need to change and what resolutions do I need to set and do I, I need to try to be healthier this year or do I, whatever, all the different things that we can, we can say. Well, as the target or the goal moves or changes or ends up looking a little different than what we thought before because we're kind of coming into focus, we have to refocus sometimes. We have to change the way we're seeing something. We have to readjust our scope, readjust the lens, or we'll miss the target. I can't just sit here and aim and just keep it in that one spot for the rest of my life and hopefully and hit that same target. I have to re-aim, readjust, reload. Because I want to keep hitting target. I want to hit one target back in 1982. Nineteen eighty two, that's when I was born. That's when mom hit her greatest target. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay, never mind. The target moves. So we gotta refocus. Some of you are going through life with a sawed-off shotgun. And it's messy. You're going through life with a little shotgun and it's spraying pellets everywhere and it's time to trade that thing in for a sniper rifle. The shotgun's messy. And it's only effective if you're close. You can't shoot something far away with the shotgun. You got to get close. Other stuff gets hit. Other stuff gets hurt. You shoot them pellets around a hard wall or some metal. They bounce back and hit you and hit other things that you weren't aiming at. And you run. You're, that's how some of us live life. We run around just shooting off with our shotgun and all close range stuff and a sniper's clean, effective, and has great reach. You can see an issue from far away and hit it in the heart. And the people around you are safe. They don't get hurt. Why? Because you were focused. You saw that thing way out there and you took care of it. You didn't wait on it to come up in your house and start shooting with your shotgun and hit three of your kids and two dogs and the issue. You took care of it out there somewhere because you were focused. You had vision. You saw it coming. And you took care of it. 
Let's trade in those shotguns for sniper rifles. I think about the sunlight. Oh, there are thousands of sun rays shining down and providing warmth, and we can go out in the sunshine. Yesterday, when we went out in the sunshine, and it was such a foreign, weird thing, how a lot of us were just kind of frozen in the sun because we hadn't seen it this year. Been a while. But there's thousands of sun rays shining down. But if you take a magnifying glass and focus... You take those same rays and you can focus them into one tiny little spot, a spot that was cold, and you can set it on fire. From what? From focus. I think sometimes in life we sit there and pray for more rays. God, this area is cold. God, you said you would light a fire. God, I want to see the passion. I want to see the fire in this area. I, need, I must need more sun. I must need more rays. Maybe a bolt of lightning. Come through big, God. Maybe a lotto ticket. I need you to hit this baby. And God's like, I need you to focus. And a fire will start. You've got the rays. You got enough, but if, if you would just focus, then you'll see the fire. You'll see my fire. I need you to focus, son. Now I'm letting y'all in mine and his conversation. Let's get back to the message. How do you handle what God gives you? God says focus. Look at Luke 16. 10. Luke 16, 10. This is Jesus talking. He that is faithful in that which is least, or in small things, is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least, is unjust also in much. If therefore you have not been faithful in the unrighteous, mammon... That's money or wealth, things. Who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon is money or wealth, things. You can't serve both. You can't serve God and money and things. Why? You're not focused. You're distracted on things and money and careers and stuff. And God, oh yeah, I put God first and I put that first and I put that. You're not focused on God. God... Is no longer first. You begin to serve money and serve things. He said, He that is faithful in a little will be made steward over much. Do well with what you have. Focus on what you have, and I'll give you more. We see God say that throughout Scripture. I told you guys a while back um, the story, it's supposed to be a true story, I don't know. 
if it's true or not, but it's a great story. That there was a farmer up near the mountains, and he had a chicken farm, and he was up hiking on the mountain one day, and he found a nest and wasn't even sure what kind, but it had some big giant eggs in it, and he took one of the eggs, and he took it down just kind of, he thought it was cool, and he put it in his chicken coop, and one of his laying hens sat on it with all the other eggs, and eventually an eagle hatched. And the eagle grew up in the chicken coop with the baby chicks, and obviously outgrew all the chickens pretty quickly, but the eagle never knew that it could fly. And all his buddies would come over and other people would come over and laugh and sit around and just want to look at the eagle and had this great giant eagle running around scratching the dirt, eating worms and chicken food with all the chickens. And the eagles off the mountain would fly over and circle and he had to put wire over the top of his chicken coop because they would swoop in and grab chickens, eat the chickens And all the chickens knew that that was a predator. So when an eagle would fly over, all the chickens and the big eagle would run and hide. Run for cover. And he was an eagle. And I wish I could tell you one day he realized who he was and spread his wings and flew and rejoined his family and ate all the chickens. But that never happened. Yep, he died of old age in the chicken coop. And the farmer buried him. Sad story, I know. Do you know the definition of sin? It's to miss the mark. You miss the mark, and we think about sin and like bad things that we do, and I miss the mark because the mark that God wanted me to hit, we're talking about missing a mark, missing a target, missing a mark that because I'm not focused, I'll miss the target. I think the greatest sin in life is to miss your mark. To live and die as a chicken when you had the ability to be an eagle. When God placed great things on the inside of you and you never realized it. You never knew your worth. You never knew who you were, so you never flew. You never became the eagle. You never hit the mark. You never hit the target. I think that's the greatest sin of all. We all sin. We all mess up. We can get back up. There's grace and mercy and cover. But to live a life where I never realize how powerful I am. I never realize my place. I never realize that I'm an eagle. That's missing the mark. What steps are you taking? Are you focused? There are people in the hospital begging God for a little bit more time. You got time. There are people begging God if they could just walk. They're begging God for what you're wasting. One more day. Let me walk. And give me some talent. Give me the ability to go work and do something for you. Give me the ability to help somebody. And we take it for granted. We waste it. 
P.O.D. sings, Every day is a new day. I'm thankful for every breath I take. Every day, His mercies are renewed every morning. We get another chance to focus. We get another chance to realize that we're His kids and that we're powerful and that we can advance the kingdom. God says, why would I give you more when you haven't been faithful with less? That's what tithing's about. Hey, God, I'm going to bring you this. I'm going to bring you the first fruits to show you that I honor you with my, with my finances. Hey, it's seeking God first, putting him first in our lives, in our time, with our prayer, with our time, talents, and treasures. Great opportunities often come with great opposition or resistance. How do you get past it? Focus. That's how Jesus endured the cross. The Bible tells us for the hope that was set before him, he endured the cross, the shame, all that he had to go through because he was focused on the prize at the end. Paul talks about that prize. I press. I forget about the things that are behind me. That all becomes blurry. Why? Because I'm pressing for the prize of the high calling of God. I'm focused. Pushing forward. Look at Matthew 6, 33. Jesus said, but seek ye first. Not second or third or fourth or fifth. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Not your righteousness, his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. So earlier in this chapter, the all these things that he's talking about. You know what Jesus was talking about? Food, drinks, clothes, stuff. He said, if you'll seek first the kingdom of God and, and his righteousness, then all this stuff, the food, the clothes, the drinks, all this stuff that you're worried about, it'll all be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God. And all these things will be added to you, but we spend so much time seeking or following things. Psalms 23 tells us that if we follow the shepherd, that goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives. But we follow things that were meant to follow us. We were meant to follow God. Not stuff. If we'll chase God and stay in our lane, then stuff will follow or be added unto you, Scripture says. All these things, they'll be added unto you. Goodness and mercy, they can follow me. My feelings, they can follow me. But I will not follow them. I will not chase my gifts. But as I chase my purpose... My gifts, they can follow me. 
They'll help me. They'll chase after me. Look at 2 Corinthians 8, 8, 10. I read this verse to you at the New Year's thing. So here's what I think. This is what Paul said. The best thing you can do right now is to finish what you started last year. You sound like a father. Oh, you know what I think? Here, I got a great idea. Listen, all right, listen, boys, you ready? I got a great idea what we can do. How about you finish what I already told you to do? Finish what you started. Go finish cleaning your room, Sky. You finish what you started last year. And not let those good intentions grow stale. Your heart's been in the right place all along. You've got what it takes to finish it up. So go to it. Once the commitment is clear. You say once it's clear. Once you can see the target. Once you can see what you should be focused on. Look what he says to do. You do what you can. Not what you can't. I think a lot of times we see the target. We hear a call from God. God tells us, hey, I want you to do this. Hey, I want you to help this person. I want you to do that. And then immediately, rather than doing what we can do, we want to focus on what we can't do. Automatically. It's just automatic. Like I have to stop myself from God tells me to do something and I automatically start wanting to say why I can't do it. Oh, I don't have the money for that. Oh, I'm not qualified for that. Oh, so-and-so should do help with that. Oh, this I can't walk over there. I can't. Do, like, you do what you can, not what you can't. The heart regulates the hands. If your heart's in a good place, your works will show it. This isn't so others can take it easy while you sweat it, while you sweat it out. No. You're shoulder to shoulder with them all the way. You're surplus matching their deficit. They're surplus matching your deficit. In the end, you come out even as it is written. Some people don't focus on what they can do and they never hit the target. Some people talk without focus. You know the people I'm talking about. Some people just talk, and you're trying to follow them and figure out what it is they're talking about, and they're going all, bouncing all around. And you know what happens when somebody talks long enough without focus? They get a deaf ear. You quit listening. You get tired of trying to follow where they're going and you just zone out and start thinking about something else. That's what happens. That's why outline is so important for a a preacher or a speaker or somebody giving a TED Talk or something because if there's no focus and if people go too long and can't figure out what you're talking about or don't relate to them, they tune out and they don't listen to you. Some people just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. They talk without focus. They talk too much and they never listen. You must be balanced. 
the last part. The third part is, as Christians, we got to figure out how to be balanced. It's not bad to talk. But you got to balance that out with listening. But some of us don't ever talk, even when we should. Well, that's not good either. We, we have to be balanced. If we want to be what God's called us to be, we want to make a difference in the world, and we want to hit the target, and we want to remain focused, and we realize who we are and how much worth we have, then we've got to be able to talk. We've also got to be able to listen. You've got to be balanced. You know, my back got hurt last year, um, and it got hurt in a car wreck, and then me, like, leaning trying to make it not hurt but then that got my spine all out of whack and all my muscles knotted up wrong and me it it started as me just trying to lean away from the pain because it was a little bit of relief but after driving around in a car like that and sitting on the couch like that and everything I did like then I got stuck like that and I couldn't even straighten up a lot of y'all know I went to the chiropractor for weeks after that trying to slowly get straightened back out and they had to put shots in there where I had my muscles were so knotted up and from leaning because I wasn't balanced I was off so I was a little bit out of whack and it affected everything we've got to be balanced if we want to be healthy made me crooked I don't want to be crooked in the spirit. I don't want to walk around some crooked dude because I'm not balanced. I got no focus. All I'm trying to do is avoid pain. Well, if all your your goal in life is to avoid pain, you're probably going to be crooked. Take that in a couple different ways. So my prayer as we start the year out for me and And for our church and for us as a people is, God, give me balance. God, give us balance. I don't want to be better at discipline than mercy. I can stand the hand of correction that has held or loved me first. But if there's no balance, then it's abuse. If I love my children and they know that I love them and and I care for them and I hug them, well, then when I go to correct them, they can receive it from me. But if I go to a child that I have not loved, I have not cared for, I'm not in their life, and I go correct them and grab them up and give them a spanking, that's abuse. I don't have a place. The same with us in relationships. We say, well, I want to hold somebody accountable. I'm going to say what's right. But if I'm not in relationship with you, then I don't have a place to step in and do that. That becomes abuse. It's me attacking you if we don't have relationship. God, let me be balanced. Well, I just tell people how it is. I can't help it. I speak my mind. If you're going to be around me, you better get used to it. No, you're going to be alone. Because you're going to run off everybody eventually. 
You're going to wonder why you're alone and you got no relationships. I'm going to speak my mind. You got to have balance. Sometimes you don't say what you think. Hold your tongue. Balance. Sometimes you need to speak. Maturity is balance. Jesus was the lion and the lamb. We see that in Scripture. He was a lion and a lamb. How opposite are those two animals? The lion and the lamb. He was both. He could not redeem the world by roaring. The lion's powerful. He's got a roar. He can rah, say what it thinks. and t- Nobody, everybody's going to back. To, guess what? He had to be the lamb, silent, to go to the cross. But guess what? The lamb couldn't come off the cross and whoop the devil's butt and take the keys to death, hell, and the grave. The lamb would have got his butt kicked. The lion had to do that. It was balanced. Some of y'all are always the lion. Hear me roar. You're going to know what I think. I'm going to say what I think. I'm going to tell you what's right. I'm going to tell you what's wrong. I'm going to tell you what you should have done. I'm going to tell what you... And never the lamb. And some of you are always the lamb. You avoid conflict at all costs. You won't confront anybody. You won't go to somebody when they've offended you like the Bible says. You won't do because you're the lamb and you're just going to let, okay, fine. We won't deal with the issue. We won't, I won't stand up for what's right because neither is good. We have to have balance. Jesus, we're supposed to look like Jesus. He is the lion and the lamb, both. You probably have one that you're more comfortable with. We all do. And so it's easier for us to just kind of fall back on the one that we're comfortable with. Some of us are real comfortable with one or the other. And I'm not picking on one or the other. We're all, I mean, probably all, a lot of us in this room, maybe half and half. Some of us go one way, some go the other. I'm not, I'm saying neither is good. To be all one way or all the other. God give me balance. I don't want to always be the lion forcing and roaring. God give me balance. I don't always want to be the lamb silent and backing down when I should confront. Some of you had a parent. Some of you are a parent. It's always hard. There's no love. There's no compliments. There's no hugs. There's no kisses. It's always criticism. It's always correction. It's always, well, you could have done better. You can't buy a hug. can't buy any love from them. And then there's the opposite end of the spectrum where the, all the parent does is praise and tell how awesome the kid is and loves and hugs and 
etc., and builds them up, but never will discipline or correct. Both are equally as detrimental. Need balance. Maturity is balance. It's like a car tire that's not been balanced and it needed to be balanced really bad. You get them to throw that used tire on there and you say, you want it balanced? Nah, don't worry about it. I don't want to pay that extra few dollars. And you get riding down the road. Vibrating and shaking your whole entire car. Why? Because it wasn't balanced. It's $3 worth of weights that should have been nailed on there and balanced and smooth, but now it's affecting the whole ride. And now it's shaking loose bolts and all kind of other stuff and messing up other things in your vehicle that are going to be way more costly. Why? Because it wasn't balanced. And now you're just trying to run with it, ride with it, go with it. It's causing all kind of other damage. Same in life. God make me balanced. It'll make your ride smoother. So I'm going to tell y'all some if yous. I made these up last night. So I'll say the if you. And then uh, y'all, I know these won't be these won't be for you, so Look at somebody else in the room on each one of these when I say, and all I want y'all to say is, check your balance. You know how when you check your bank account, you check your balance. What are you checking for? You're checking to see what you can do. That's what we're doing, right? We're focused. We want to be focused. We want to, So let's check our balance. All right? So here's the if yous that I came up with just to kind of get you thinking. So if you spend more than you make... Perfect. Check your balance. Okay, so y'all got it. If you consume more calories than you burn, if you play more than you work, if you work more than you play, if you always see the problem, If you never see the problem, if you talk too much, if you don't talk when you should, if you like cats, I'm just kidding, don't, no, not, <laughs> I'm just off the top of my head with that one. All right, check your balance. We got to be balanced in any area of life. We don't want to be all lopsided. As Christians, we should be balanced. When somebody looks at us in, in every area of life, we want to be balanced. I don't want to be way out of whack or crooked in, in one area or, or another. I'm going to close by... I can't remember where I was supposed to go. What was the last scripture I gave you up there? Romans 5. Turn to Romans 5. 
Appreciate that. Yeah, we'll close here. You got to be balanced. Some people talk without focus and discipline. Some people spend without focus and discipline. Some people just live their life without focus or discipline. They're not balanced. I think they don't really realize how much they're worth or how powerful their life could be. Or how much other people are worth. Look at Romans 5. 6. I'm going to read you 6 through 8. And we'll close. Christ arrives right on time. To make this happen. He didn't and doesn't wait for us to get ready. He presented himself for this sacrificial death. Why? Why? Because he was focused. And you were worth it. You Wait, you earned it? You deserved it? No, look what else it says. This sacrificial death. When we were far too weak and rebellious to do anything to get ourselves ready. And even if we hadn't been so weak, we wouldn't have known what to do anyway. We can understand someone dying for a person worth, worth dying for. Because to me, certain people are more valuable than other people. See, we can understand dying for a person worth dying for. And we can understand how someone good and noble could inspire us to selfless sacrifice. But... God put his love on the line for us by offering his son in sacrificial death while we were of no use whatever to him. King James says, while we were yet sinners or while we were in our sin, in our darkest moment, at our worst, we were still worth it to him. At that moment, He died. He said, yep, still worth it. While I was at my worst, in my darkest moment, he still said, yep, worth it. I want him to be my son. I'll pay the price to buy him back from death. Because I got a plan. Because I see an eagle in there. Because if he'll focus... God says, that's my boy. We watched that movie. Have y'all seen that movie, John Q? It's an older movie. I think it was like 2002 or something. It's funny that that's an older movie now. (laughs) But it's uh, with Denzel Washington. And he's got a son. And the boy's playing baseball. And the boy's running towards second base, playing baseball, and his heart gives out. He falls and hits the ground. They rush him to the hospital. Ambulances don't know what's going on. They check him. And long story short, 
the kid's heart's bad. And they tell John Q, Denzel Washington, they tell John Q, hey, your son's going to die if we don't get him on the donor list and get him a, a new heart. And uh, sorry, but you don't have insurance, and it's going to be over $250,000, and it, it's not covered in your insurance. So basically they tell him we're going to give him some medicine to take away the pain, and you need to give him the best quality of life as possible. Take him home and let him die. That's what they tell this guy. And he sells everything, and he sells his car, and he sells the refrigerator and the TV and has yard sales and their church takes up an offering and gives them money and they're just, they're coming up with all the money they can and they come up with like 20 something thousand dollars and it's like 75,000 they want a minimum before they'll even put his name on the donor list. So John Q goes John Q on him and gets him a gun and goes up and takes the hospital under hostage and locks the doors up with chains and takes all kind of hostages in the ER. And he, sa- he gets the surgeon and drags him down the hall, the heart surgeon, and he says, nobody's leaving here until my son gets a heart. You're going to put his name on the list. And it turns out to be a, it's a, it's a pretty emotional, pretty good movie, if you haven't, if you haven't seen it. But... You're sitting there wondering what's going on, and I won't give it all away, but kid gets a heart, and uh, John Q goes to jail. And guess what? It was worth it. His kid got to live. His kid was going to die, so he's sitting in jail. Who cares? He saved his kid. Now, why would he do that? Why would he risk getting shot? Why would he go? Because it's easy for us to understand. Because his kid was worth it. That was his kid. That's easy. You watch the movie and everybody's cheering for the bad guy. Even the people in the movie, they all like him once they find out what he's doing. They're all friends with him. They're all, even the hostages. They're cheering for him. They like him. Us as fans sitting at home watching, everybody's cheering for the bad guy with the gun. Why? Because we can understand that. That boy is worth. It's worth more than the money. It's worth more than the stuff. His son's worth more than the car. His son's worth more than even his life. How much better is God? Then John Q, a lot if you don't know, a lot better. That's how much he cares about you as he gave his son and his life. He, he would die for you. Your worth to him. There's a purpose and a plan. And you have a place. Don't forget that. When you get weary and when you get tired and when you, when you don't think you can go on, focus on Him and what He did. Seek first the kingdom 
and remember that you're his son, you're his daughter. You're an eagle. God, give us balance. God, we want to be a good, proper representation of you to the world. So God, we see that we must have the lion and the lamb. God, give us both. God, help us to shut our mouths when we should listen. And help us to roar when fear tries to bully us. God, give us balance. And God, help us to focus. Help us to zoom in on the target. So that the other things fade away. God, we want to be snipers. Not reckless and dangerous. And we don't want to put the people around us, the people that we've been entrusted with, our families, our friends, our. We don't want to put people in danger. But we want to be effective. God, we love you. We see you moving and healing and reaching and growing. Grow us up and give us what we need. We give you permission to push us and stretch us. We love you. Thanks for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen.